On this week's show, more like Urban Liar, a comprehensive breakdown of the trade deadline from the newest scribe to the Brewers beat, and your definitive potato rankings, plus sad news in the world of the sweet science, Grandmaster Sexay. And now, WTMJ presents The Tripod, a sports and pop culture podcast with Justin Garcia, Scott Morris, and Ashton Rotman. So, we have the fortune of taping this week's episode on a very eventful day. Kind of just fell into our laps this week. We usually like, oh, that's a... (laughs) In light of things. Uh, Too soon. All right, I'm going to set this one up. Uh, we'll, I mean, pay, we'll pay you though. <laughs> we we like to keep things light. No real heavy lifting on this, but no. I mean today we just don't like manual labor for starters. Yeah, well, that's well, another one. Heavy lifting. Uh, today we had the opposite, where some rather serious things came up. You can see my notes that uh, we do have to tackle, and that is the inevitable dismissal of Urban Meyer. So, as we record this, he has been placed on paid administrative leave. Now, this is a whole bigger discussion that we can um, kind of branch off to. But when I first heard and saw, I guess I should say, the, the report that took place on Facebook, because Brett McMurphy, no longer with ESPN, but the report that was posted to Facebook um, that basically all but shows Urban Meyer did, in fact, know of the things he said last week at Big Ten Media Day he did not know of. And domestic violence by a former staffer of his who was fired last Monday, I believe, just before Big mm-hmm. Ten yep. Media Days. So we were all talking about this before in that still trying to process this whole thing. The instant narrative was, well, Urban Meyer gets fired for this because Ohio State fired Jim Trestle for much of the same. And when we talked about it, I said, now, is Urban Meyer lying about this? Is that a fireable offense or is it just fireable because of Ohio State's past? But the more you dive into it, the, mm-hmm. terrible take by me immediately. This is 100% fireable. So I will say that was a bad job by me. But this whole thing, man, the further you dig into this and some of the stuff that we've come across in the last hour plus and just old interviews by Urban Meyer, the thing that you said too, mm-hmm. his days at ESPN, we're going to find stuff from that that made him look like even more of a hypocrite. There is an entire volume that has already come out, that will come out in the next few days and probably more like the next few hours, volumes of audio and volumes of clips of Urban Meyer professing that sanctimonious garbage that he spews, whether it was to sell his book on a higher moral uh, character. I don't even know the name of the book. Some of that, that, that garbage... There are going to be clips when he's commenting on other institutions and other programs going through issues when he was an ESPN pundit for, what, one year, two years at the very most. There's already clips of him as Ohio State's coach commenting on similar situations or or situations that other 
academic institutions and teams were facing and how he would potentially handle that if those horrible problems happened to befall his precious institution. There is no shortage of examples of Urban Meyer playing the high and mighty card. And that element in this is what makes it extra smarmy for me. It's what makes it extra irritating. And it what makes his, I hope, downfall all the more enjoyable to watch. Him as a person. You hate what happened to that woman, obviously, but setting that aside, watching his downfall is enjoyable for several reasons. And like you say, a lot of what he said about other other actions and other things make it extra enjoyable. I'm uh, I'll let you jump in here, Ashton, but we should point out the book is called Above the Line, oh, Lessons in Leadership and Life from a Championship Season. Do you, that is, do you have a year for that? That is the Urban 2015. Because uh, Excellent. So you, you already uh, mentioned this, but <laughs> 2015, Urban Meyer appeared on the O'Reilly Factor oh, to he, pump that book. Yeah, he was making the rounds. And this was when the Jameis Winston whole thing surfaced with the crab legs in his days at FSU. For those unfamiliar, uh, Jameis Winston stole crab legs from a grocery store. Bill O'Reilly asked Urban Meyer about that, and I have a hard time believing someone like you would be fine with that. Urban Meyer, you have it? Oh, I have it. Let's hear it. Let's hear it, yeah. I don't think you would have let it go, right? I would have been hard to let that go. All right. So you would have gotten rid of him, but you still succeed on your own terms, whereas other colleges sometimes they don't want to discipline the big stars because <laughs> there's too much at stake. What separates you from them? Well, we've had our issues over the past few years. When I was at Florida, we had some issues. We've had some issues at Ohio State. I started to get in trouble a couple of years ago. And once again, it goes back to creating that culture where that doesn't exist. Now, that's somewhat Camelot because that really it's always going to be there. But the thing that, and that, that what this book is is a tribute to that group last year. I've never quite had one like that. All right, so you're putting right that up the as the exemplar, that this is the way it should be. The template. Right, and then how... Uh how you get you gonna all these kids have to read it? Is that you gotta read your book? No. Well you gotta do sprints. They live it. See that's they live right. it, they hear it nonstop. And- yeah. That would have been hard to let go. A kid stealing crab legs. Now keep in mind, he said this at the time when this was fresh off of Carlos Hyde on his team at Ohio State, who eventually was suspended but had punched a woman in the face at a bar, and he's fine with that, but don't steal crab legs from a grocery store. The other thing that you and I and and Scott, we all talked about before as we were kind of formulating what are the talking points for this. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of stuff is going to be heaped on him that isn't necessarily fair. People are going to point to Aaron Hernandez, and there are certainly – Question marks there, he said himself. I mean, Aaron Hernandez, big thing when he was at Florida, as Urban Meyer recruited him, he was suspended a game and failed, I think, one or two drug tests for marijuana. Of course, the timeline shows one of those murders took place while Aaron Hernandez was at Florida. And Urban Meyer says, I was worried when anytime he went home to Connecticut and came back, we had to watch him. There is a quote out there that hasn't been... Verified that Urban Meyer did say this, but allegedly he had said at one point he will either be in the Hall of Fame or in jail. 
that doesn't look good. Mm. The 31 arrests that happened at Florida, your people are going to point to over six years. But the other thing is there's a lot of – when you have a football team that's 80-plus people, there's going to be a lot of arrests. I think we somebody pulled the numbers that Steve Spurrier's South Carolina team had 36 arrests over that same time period. So it's not like they had the most. But Urban Meyer's wife, in her justification of this, they were featured on Real Sports, I think, same time when this book came out three years ago. Yep. And that was one of the questions of look at all the arrests that the program has had at Florida. Urban Meyer's wife on that number and how it's deceiving. It just wears on you. I mean, all he wants to do is coach. And then you got to deal with the off the field stuff, the negative stuff. And the publicity is horrible. Are you supposed to go to the bars with those kids at night and make sure they don't get in trouble? Are you supposed to lock them up and tell them they can't be a normal college kid? And actually... To be fair here, some of those 31 arrests were not really big deal arrests. They to were very fair. minor little things that other kids do too. But that's all anybody sees is that number. That's a pretty big number. So, I mean, that is true that a lot of them were stupid things you do in college. And I get her point to some extent. But the other thing is if that is that much of a fear where, well, you're supposed to go out to the bar with these kids or you lock them up. If it's that much of a fear that you don't trust the majority of your team to make the right decision, that says something a lot bigger. A lot of – some of, as his wife pointed out, those arrests were not big deal. A lot of them were. More than a dozen were felonies or violent misdemeanors. So it's not like this was just kids getting open intoxication or breaking and entering and, and things of that nature. So this dates back to his time at Florida. The biggest takeaway I have, takeaway, and I think the biggest indictment on Urban Meyer from his time at Florida, a couple of things. One, Janoris Jenkins, uh, multiple arrests while he was there at Florida. Two of them came in three months. That was just after Urban Meyer left, though, but arrested multiple times. You could tell bad seed here. When Urban Meyer left Florida and Will Muschamp took over, Will Muschamp kicked him off the team. And Janoris Jenkins was asked about that, and his quote was, if Coach Meyer were still coaching, I'd still be playing for the Gators. Coach Meyer knows what it takes to win. So another guy comes in and says, "Multiple, we can't have you as a part of this program. Well, Urban Meyer would have had me. You see that, and just everything with this guy with into, the way he left Florida which we can get into, but it's a very bad look these past few days to have, I didn't know about this, then it comes out, eh, did you know about it? And now definitively, yeah, it looks like he did know about it. Well, okay, you've done it, you've laid out his track record, <laughs> his, his, uh, his rap sheet, if you will. I don't know... And, and, and all of that helps to paint the picture of who he is as a head coach and in a lot of ways who he is as a human being, as a leader of men. And that's helpful and that illustrates the larger point that is he apt to know about something like domestic abuse by one of his assistants and not do anything about it. But I don't know that any of that stuff – I don't know that, that – any of that had to have happened in order for him to potentially lose his job. 
on its surface, you have a head coach that, if proven, and I, I, I think he knew about it, his wife knew about it, and to say that if his wife knew about it and you heard from that clip, she'll, you know, she'll stand by her man. Will she cover for him? <laughs> I'm willing to say yes. If the wife knew about it, if the assistant coaches' wives, that community knew about it, I have a hard time thinking. And, and her, his wife, Urban Meyer's wife, was a Shelly, right? Shelly Meyer? Yeah. She even said in one of those texts something to the point of, I've got to tell Urban this. Now, Courtney Smith, the victim in this, admittedly says, I never actually got proof or a statement that Shelley Meyer did, in fact, tell Urban Meyer about it. That is the only little bit of gray space left. In some ways, it's a big thing because, well, then what's the proof that he knew? But come on. Does it make sense? Does it sound rational? Just, just. Does it make sense to you that if the wife knew and the wife knew everything and the wife was trying to help her out over a long period of time, got the photos of, of everything that he did to her, does it make sense that the wife would not have told her husband, Urban Meyer, about what is going on? I don't believe so. I do not believe that Urban Meyer did not know about this. I think he's lying. And to, to the point of, of all that backstory. That paints the picture of the man, but I don't even know that any of that stuff is relative, or I should say relevant, in this case. He could have had a squeaky clean, squeaky clean resume, and I think this, in, in a culture of Me Too, in a, in a societal wave of doing everything that anybody can to help victims of abuse, harassment, and, and things of that nature, this is fireable in and of itself. That is valuable information because it tells you who this guy is, and it's not his first bump in the road, so to speak. But on its surface, this alone is fireable if he had never had a blemish on his record to begin with. You want to go on the grassy mole? Join me. You know I love a good trip on the grassy knoll. His wife, Shelly, she's fired. She's going to be fired. His wife also works for the university. Yep. What if she didn't tell him because she didn't want to make him complicit here? Plausible deniability. Yeah. That's the term you're talking about. She's a nurse. I don't. I, I think she works in the nursing department as well. If she's a, a, a professor of nursing or she teaches in that field, you're right. I just look. I'm not. But, I, but I don't more, believe that more, happened. Here's the thing, though. I, all this is, keeps coming back to me, and this is something I think about a lot. Morally, like a lot of this stuff, it just you're you're gonna not say something. We're gonna talk moral. about morality oh. while we're on the grassy knoll and playing that music. So so all right. Morale, as long as the as long as the music is still going, then to play it out, the you're saying that she. Purposely, well, if I was on the knoll, I would say I know how Urban feels about this guy. His dad was Urban Meyer's mentor, right? I know, which is a weird plot. Very deeply for him, and thinks and Urban Meyer and and, um, his part of his defense for this was when they asked him specifically about the incident that I think was 2009. They asked him about, and he said, "I saw a very talented young coach," and implied that it was a he said, she said. So I know 
Okay. That's his mentor's son. He thinks he's talented. This is a big part of the program. If I don't tell Urban, then it's not his problem. Okay, but before you kill the music and before we step up, hang on. Oh, oh, more. And again, we're I don't believe this to be the case. Oh, this right, is right. just for the grass. It's the music. We're good. Then you're saying that because she's done. Oh, absolutely. She, she has is, to be done. You st- there are now Title IX Title IX, in, in you didn't here. report this. You're fired. So she's willing to take the take the, the fall, yeah, and take say, the fall. I will and take the fall to protect my husband, who head football coach versus okay someone in that position. Here's the thing. Then in that case, could you not also maybe theorize conversely, or is it inversely? Is Urban Meyer willing to throw his wife let under his the wife bus? Take the fall, let her take the yeah. fall, and Urban Meyer will say. I never knew anything about it. She never told me anything. It never went any farther than her well, phone. This is a Urban Meyer, who, if we look at his character, we saw on all here. Eh, I guess we can take. Eh. I'll, I'll we're going to do some character assassination, so let's leave. It <laughs> all right, that's right. I mean, this is an Urban Meyer who we talked about the thirty-one arrests. We talked about the guy who recruited Aaron Hernandez, uh, the whole Janoris Jenkins thing, who basically said Urban Meyer appreciates thuggery and likes guys. He doesn't mind about off-the-field stuff and getting arrested. He knows what it takes to win. All of that. Carlos Hyde punches a woman. That's fine. Cam Newton, or Cam Newton, who kicked off the team at Florida. Yep. True. Uh, Jameis Winston steals crab legs. Absolutely not, but I'll have a, a man punch a woman in a bar. That's fine. This is the same Urban Meyer who left Florida after 2010 because of health issues, and now far be it for me to say and speculate that he lied about this. But again, let's keep the grassy knoll music going. Want to turn it up a little bit just for this? I'll get this just in case. December 27th, 2010, Urban Meyer announced he was stepping down at Florida because of health concerns, said he had chest pains and was admitted to the hospital after the SEC title game. What was going on at Florida around that time? Refresh my memory. Well, Tim Tebow had just left the previous year. But look at Urban Meyer's tenure at Florida. First year, 9-3. They won the Outback Bowl. 2006, in his second year, 13-1. BCS Championship. 9-4. Lost the Capital Bowl. Only bowl game they lost with it. Then, 13-1 in two straight seasons where they were BCS champions. Won the Sugar Bowl. Then an 8-5 season where they won the Outback Bowl and Urban Meyer stepped down. Now... No Tim Tebow, as you mentioned. He was gone after 2009. The 2011 draft or recruiting class for Florida, not good. One five-star recruit. That same year in 2010, Auburn went undefeated and won the national yep. championship. In 2011 and 2012, the next two years, Alabama won the national championships. In those years, Nick Saban... From 2008 through 2012, 12-2, 14-0, 10-3, 12-1, 13-1. So Three national you... titles. It was a group led at quarterback by Jeff Brantley. You had Alabama and Auburn on the rise that same offseason. Number one and number five recruiting class. Georgia and LSU were in the top ten. Ohio State, by the way, was six that year. So you said Urban Meyer surveyed saw. things and saw, you saw that it is impossible in the SEC now. Saban has built a juggernaut in Alabama. Auburn just won a national championship. Who knows? Gene Chizik didn't work out, but he could turn them into a contender. And I still got to deal with teams like LSU, Georgia, etc. 
I'm getting out now, and whoa, here's this opening in the Big Ten at Ohio State. Urban Meyer had no health concerns. Urban Meyer took the easy way out, quit, went to TV, and then all of a sudden pops up in the Big Ten and takes over this team in Ohio State. Number six and number five recruiting classes, those two off-seasons that he was gone, perfect landing spot. Look, again, music's playing. We're good. It's just speculation. Have any of us seen his medical records? That's all I'm saying. I just better off facts, by the way. Well, well, um, just in case, we're good. So here's now back to reality. Urban Meyer's, uh, again, I've used the word a lot, but the damning line that he had about lying and being caught in a lie. I think this was last year, last year or two years ago. How people need to be held accountable for it. We did make mistakes. Uh, if I look yeah. back now, the biggest mistake, I probably gave well, second chances Meyer to talking some people about Florida. maybe shouldn't. But this is someone's son. I know in my soul we're doing it right. We're doing the best we can. Do we make mistakes? We make mistakes. Do you intentionally, uh, willfully have a second cell phone that you're using illegal phone calls? You're done. You can never, ever coach again. It's no different than a student athlete. If a student athlete lies to the NCAA, they're finished. So you tell me a 50-year-old man's got more rights than a 18-year-old student athlete. I, where, who comes up with that? You know, if you will, once again, if you intentionally lie about committing violations, your career is over. You don't suspend it for two games. You're not. You can't. You know, some of the silly penalties you have. You can't talk to recruit for a week and a half or something like that. No, you're finished, and that'll clean up some things. Smoking gun right there on why he's fired because. He talked about violations, and you can say, well, we're talking about a domestic issue that's not a recruiting or NCAA violation. But as we've come to find out about an hour ago, it is. And what what were you going to say before we launch into his contract? Well, I'll just make this point because he's talking about the rules that cell phone usage. Just take a step back for a second and realize where we've come when it comes to scandals. (laughs) I mean, Ohio – Sampson. Well, yeah, Ohio State is the university that up until Jim Trestle, you thought, man, giving out awards for tattoos and Terrell Pryor, that's what cost Maurice Jim, Claret. Maurice Claret. That's what caught, uh, cost Jim Trestle his job. I long for the days when all we Columbus. cared about was Kelvin Sampson texting and using – this, a cell phone to, to reach out to prospective students and prospective recruits outside of the period when you can do that. Or when a student athlete trading, you know, um, whatever for a tattoo. That, that, just think about that for a second. Now, remember, Trestle's mistake and his downfall, which eventually led lying, to Urban Meyer. Right. We lied about it, covered it up, yes. I mean, but it wasn't, that was, a couple of months, maybe three, four months before Penn State erupted. And after Penn State... That was like around the 4th of July, wasn't right. it? When he, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, everything has changed. You, you look at the scandals that are now plaguing universities, things like that. It, it's just to hear him and that diatribe about cell phone, you know, improper cell phone usage as grounds for firing of a coach, for example... Compared to what we're dealing with now, it's just a stark contrast. Well, and if if there is a lesson to be learned, um, 
it's do you need music again? No, but <laughs> like what we've seen is if you're going to do this and if you're going to make a mistake like this and and be this dumb, be forthright and and take the heat and say, yeah, I did this instead of covering this up because what we've seen is the schools that have gone through the cover-up and doing the cover-up, those guys are done. You're not coaching again when you're – the, the Dave Blisses of the well, world and Urban Myers could ooh, ooh. join that. Do you have the clip from Big Ten Media Day? I be, have, be, I have because, a couple, yes. Well, well, where he's asked and he basically implies that it was a fake report. Yeah, here we go. To 2009, because I've been asked about that. 2009, Zach was an intern, a, a very young couple. As I do any time that I imagine most age. coaches or people in leadership positions, you receive a phone call, first thing you do is tell your boss, uh, let the experts do their jobs. Uh, we're certainly not going to investigate. It came back to me that what was reported wasn't actually what happened. And so uh, Shelly and I actually both got involved because of our relationship with that family he and um, advised for counseling and yeah. wanted to help as we move forward. 2015, I got a text late last night that something happened in 2015 and uh, there was nothing, uh, unless, once again, there's nothing. You know, once again, I don't know who creates a story like that. And then this recent one was, uh, you know, you press pause. It's something our team lives by, e plus r equals o. You get an event. Just throw it in there. You press pause, get your mind right, and step up. Press pause to gather information. Pause on your career. Uh, get your mind right <laughs> to gather energy and, and then step up to do the right thing. That's uh, the position that I hold, and that's why we did that. So a couple <laughs> things. First of all. When he says, and I know you can't go back and cue it up, when he says, referencing the 2015 report, what did he say? We checked and there was nothing. There was nothing. Yeah. So okay. The, I would say the 2009 one, he said 2009, they did, there was an investigation. Well, 2009, that, what is, is that, the relevancy of he's a talented coach? Right again. None. Right, and the deflecting into the our what, what were the letters E equals R squared right. plus R. Like who cares? Whatever. What does this have to do with the question? Bigger, bigger point here. Why did he answer the question at all? That's true. If he does not address, if, 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 if we don't address that, that's a matter for the athletic whatever. department and whatever. That's a, I, a matter been, for I've the been institution not to answer that. But wait. I have more audio from Big Ten Media today. Somebody Please. asked a follow-up question about why now. Again, this, there was two separate questions about why now, and here's what he had to say the second time he was asked. Uh, I'm not going to get into that, Doug. It's uh, a very personal matter. Uh, the decision was made. I think the details that uh, you know I'm obligated to give, I gave. Uh, you're talking about people's lives, et cetera. So the decision was made. It's time to move forward. and. Um, we are in a public world. I try not to operate, especially when you're talking about personnel and people um, making things because it became public. But to say that doesn't have something to do with it, it does a little bit. I try to, I'm one of those ones that I really don't care about that. I try to stay focused on what's the most important thing. That's our players and our team. But I do understand the value of it's the Ohio State University is bigger than all of us. And so you have to do what's right by them. And the timing, it wasn't just my decision. It was a group effort on several people that I rely on. So the reason that I think that's an important clip, mainly because he he comes out right away and says, like, oh, I'm not going to answer that. I'm not going to talk about that. And then continues but to answer the question. if I would answer it, I'd say this. Do you have the music again? Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> Give me one second, please. So he fired Zach Smith the 
the night before Big Ten Media Day, correct? Media Days. Day before, yes. right. Yep. Yeah. It was that evening or late afternoon. So that was clearly a let's make it look like we're doing something because this is gaining some momentum. You think they were tipped off that there's a story that's being put together? We've been asked for comment. We have to do something. Okay, fine. Let's fire him and maybe that'll make it go away. Maybe to fire him hours before Big Ten Media Day. The only reason that I'm not sure about that, as far as the, the grassy knoll is now concerned, the, the, the flaw in my logic is why would he poke the bear then? And I'm I'm not sure where this report came from. Right, like so, so that's the other thing is because this was reported, I think, in May or something the first time when these allegations came out. Sorry, this is factual stuff, so I'm not going to have the music. I'll put it back up in a second. Mm-hmm. And then it, be, it comes out again because there's a restraining order or some yeah. sort of violation by uh, the, the victim, the alleged victim. And there's screenshots of everything. Put the music back up here. The screenshots. Uh, no, but th- those are facts. Those, those are, are facts. facts so but leave the, the music <laughs> off. <laughs> but about the screenshots, yeah. does he know about the screenshots? Does he know because Shelly I think he Meyer, knows something is coming. This goes back to Shelly Meyer. If he knows about the story, he knows about everything because Shelly Meyer's text messages were part of this. I think he knew something's coming, so we got to do something. To do this hours before media day. It's just that weird. It, it dates all the way back to that, and hours before yeah. media day, he's fired. This was the last act of a desperate man, I think. There has to... He, he made the mistake by... Yeah, that's enough of the music. He made the... The way he started the second answer, the second clip, the way he started, if you stop at like, I don't know, 15 seconds in, and he's, that's how he should have answered the first question. And who knows if there's follow-up. Now, yes, Grassy Knoll, does he know that there's a report coming out? And But he hadn't helped himself. No. If, if, if he thought he was going to help himself by commenting on it, he sure as hell didn't do that. So here is why he is going to be fired. We can all confidently say whether it's mm-hmm. – Because as we record so this – we record this Wednesday evening. Paid leave. And yeah, hours ago it was announced he's going on paid leave. By the time the weekend hits, he's fired, I believe. That it was just a matter of – we need our, our lawyers and our legal team to look at how do we frame this or what is the grounds for the termination and how do we move forward with this. But by the time we hit August 4th, Urban Meyer will not be the coach of the Ohio State Buckeyes. There was some uncovering of his contract done by, um, I believe this was USA uh, USA Today, Earlier today, on August 1st, where Urban Meyer signed an extension, and part of that extension uh, changed his contract a little bit and added some provisions, which now in hindsight are going to end up bringing him down. It reads, a provision added that Coach shall promptly report to Ohio State's Deputy Title IX Coordinator for Athletics, any known violations of Ohio State's sexual misconduct policy um, that involve any student, faculty, or staff that is in connection with a university-sponsored activity or event. Event. A known violation shall mean a violation or an allegation of a violation of Title IX that coach is aware of or has reasonable cause 
to believe is taking place or may have taken place. Those text messages to his wife, at the very least, give him reasonable cause to think that a violation is taking place or has taken place. Now, where it really nails him is reasons for termination for cause. Uh, Provision was added, which states he can be terminated if he fails to promptly report to the university's deputy Title IX coordinator uh, athletics or the university's Title IX coordinator overall. Any known violations of Ohio State's misconduct policy uh, that involves student, faculty, or staff with a connection to a university-sponsored activity or event, and it's recognized that... Uh, this subsection pertaining to grounds for his termination for cause encompass findings or determinations of violations during employment of coach at Ohio State or any other institution of higher learning. So, in other words, in layman's terms, this is saying anything we find where you knew or there's reason to believe you knew, that's grounds for termination and... We can also say, even if it didn't happen here, if something happened when you were at Bowling Green or Florida, where we just went over the 31 arrests and other things that went on there, that's also grounds for termination. How does his attorney let that get into the contract? I I don't want to defend Urban Meyer's actions there, but jeez. You know, it is amazing because you mentioned he started at Bowling Green as head coach. How in the world did – how in the world did Bowling Green escape well, unscathed? There is, well, it's it's not I'm a joking. violation, but I went there, to there, Green. there is. Uh, did you go to Bowling Green? I did go to Bowling. You Green. You weren't there during the Urban. Why oh, not? No, know this no I right went now. there for a year. Uh, He's a legend there. He and is, We'll find out. Uh, for real? Yes. Because from what I've read, well, notori- this is recently, no, notoriety only. That's why. Okay. Wasn't Brett Bielema's first game? Against Bowling Green at uh, Cleveland Browns Stadium, Browns uh, Stadium. Was that where uh, Brian Ur- Calhoun went nuts? I believe. No, I think that was at Camp Randall, and Brian Calhoun had a monster right. day. I think. But anyway, right. uh, I, I could have sworn there was. Now, I mean, you're no offense. You're Bowling Green, so you know it, it's exactly. a stepping stone university. But no, the way he accurate. left there was kind of par for the course with some of the character we've seen of Urban Meyer of basically lying. And he he left very late, didn't he? Uh, yeah, he left after two years, I think, into the summer of his – It would was have well been, into the summer. It would have been his and third was, season, I believe. And he was fielding questions of like, so are you looking for this? Like 2002-ish? And he left over the summer to go to Utah. Yeah. yeah. That's which is pretty late in the process. Then how did Utah? The then how did Utah get out unscathed? We don't, well, at, or we don't, ba- based we're, on we're Justin, waiting for that, just, right? Yeah. Based on what Justin just read, we have no idea. If, like this is going to str- how long is this going to stretch out? Not, not. I mean, he's going to get fired. He'll be fired tomorrow. Tomorrow. Okay. Yes. at the earliest. But like, did did you notice who the um, what is the acting head coach? Who did they? They did not name Shiano. Well, I was it's going not, to say, right, do you know who not, wasn't? Yeah, it's I mean, <laughs> it just, ugh, it just, you, you always have to take a shower when you're done talking about this story, because here you have Craig Shiano, who is the. We invite our listeners to take showers regularly, anyways. Well, but, yeah, at least once well, a week. Who were, who were all the? Uh, 
who are their – they've had two big assistants leave in the last few years. Luke Fickle was one of them. Who was actually pretty good. Yeah. Was he their offensive coordinator or defense? No, he was defense. Who was their off – Tom Herman. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Tom and Herman. Who's also done very yep. well. He's Tom Herman in Houston, right? Houston and now Texas, isn't he? Oh, my God. That's right. Yeah. yeah for Chuck Strong. No, yeah. but I mean if – wouldn't that make sense for your associate head coach to take over the yeah, reins? Right. While you're, in the interim, Greg Shiano is going to run oh, things. Urban Meyer's on leave. Nope. We'll uh, figure it out when we get there. We Here's Greg Shiano. Okay. <laughs> we still got about 20 days, so we'll come up with a plan sometime in the next 19. Keep in mind, going on in Ohio State, and, and this has not, this has gotten play nationally. I don't feel like it's gotten as much play as the Larry Nasser Michigan State story. But Ohio State is embroiled in an incredible scandal involving their wrestling program and sexual assault with that coach over many, many, many years. There's a congressman that was also involved as an assistant. Uh, he was an assistant coach, I think, at the time, and he refutes everything uh, as a congressman, Jim Jordan. So Ohio State is they've got a lot they've got a lot on their plate right now. There might be some element to look. This wrestling story, this sexual assault allegations by hundreds and hundreds of wrestlers involved in that program and others involved with some of the sports medicine program. That you got we have to consider the fact that Ohio State University, the administration they may view that as the bigger problem over a longer period of time, and maybe this we 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 can't we can't handle both. So, so Urban's going to go. Wait, Urban's going to go. Then that then that is done and over with. Period. We move on with a whole new staff because we're going to have to deal with this other story right now, which may not be getting as much publicity, but we know how really friggin' bad it's going to get for us. For, for lack of a better term, right now, they essentially they just want to nip this in the bud and be like, we need to end it now f- and finish it. But you, you, okay, so think of some of these names associated with Ohio State. Most of these are in all of our lifetimes. Well, two of ours, because Ashton, you're. Oh, this was your thing, yeah. Yeah, okay, so good. so Urban Meyer, <laughs> Urban Meyer, Greg Schiano. Yep. Uh, let's just say football. Jim Trestle. Yep. Jim Trestle was fired. Which in in, in, in hindsight, hindsight you did what? Jim Trestle. Yeah. Jim Trestle was fired. I mean, it makes them well, long and, for the and, days and of and John I, Cooper. I tell you what, way. too. What really changed my tune on Jim Trestle was the that thirty vest. for thirty. Excellent, honestly, yeah. because is it the Youngstown boys? Yeah, yeah that and and Maurice Claret, who was very that guy accepted bl- and said, "Hey, I screwed up, but mm-hmm. here's what was also going on." Jim Trestle, now the president at Youngstown yeah. State University, your, your guy. You guys hang out every spring. <laughs> yeah, once when, a when year. When is he coming on the once show? per March? You know who? And you know who? You know who? Jim Trestle hired as his football coach at Youngstown. Maurice right? Claret. Oh no, no, Bo Pelini. <laughs> For real. Bo Pelini. I missed that. You didn't news. know this. Holy. He's been there three years. Bo Pelini. Bo Pelini's a Youngstown guy too. Yeah. You didn't know. Bo- yeah. Well, Bo Pelini. I did it. I did Bo Pelini swearing, that. spitting, waving his hat in the face of officials in Youngstown, Ohio. Now, yeah, Trestle and Pelini together. You mentioned Claret, Terrell Pryor. Keep in mind, this is also the football program whose legendary coach punched 
a player <laughs> during a game, an opposing player. Talking about Woody that. Hayes, of course. We talk about the wrestling program right now and, and the um, the firestorm involved in them. Keep in mind that in the 90s, Jim O'Brien, the men's basketball coach, <laughs> got that program put on probation. That was um, – who were the guys on that team then? Was that uh, – um, uh, Jimmy Jackson. Jimmy Jackson. Yeah. Scooney, Scooney Penn. Penn, Michael Red. No, well, Michael Red was late a little 90s, after. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so was Scooney. And, and, and like you said, and former AD Andy Geiger, who was there for a long time, he did not uh, leave in the um, highest of regard. Ohio State University is, and, and this is how many decades now? Twenty, twenty-five years. Multiple sports. I mean, it's it's just a. I, I, embarrassment is an understatement. I, I don't even know what the word is. Bad Mata. I mean, Greg Oden. Right, right. Mike Conley. And even Thad Mata's departure was a little bit. Well, that was more the school. They fired him for what? Yeah. But that's right. what I mean. You, how is it that? What all, do you mean? Read this statement. Maybe, maybe this is how Ohio State. Maybe they're like, we don't want any clean on, breaks. We're this. just burning all the bridges. What is this? And why does it Sam retiring? What do you mean? Why, read this? Why am I read this right now? Press I don't scandal. have health issues. What do you mean? Why is as he's reading, here? as he reads, I'm retiring today because of my health. Just looking health? over at everybody. They are. <laughs> they're really into burning bridges. I just, I'm retiring today. Tell me the last time that a coach left under normal circumstances at Ohio State. Oh, I mean, this just continues. How often does that happen in college anymore? Now that I think about it, baseball program? Do they have one? They do. Is that any good? Um, I think it's middle of the pack in the Big Ten. What what like top tier colleges don't have bad to play the grassy knoll for the? No, that was all facts, coaches. No, those are all facts. Woody Hayes, that's all. Woody, oh, Hayes. Woody Hayes actually oh, punched him. Oh, he punched somebody. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's all facts. Archie Griffin. I mean, get over yourself. Eddie George. <laughs> Eddie George is the Ryan last, Hoyer. <laughs> the last upstanding God. Ohio State Buckeye to uh, David Boston. I mean, like something shady Ooh. wasn't going on there. David Boston was one of my top uh, fantasy football yeah, draft picks everyone, one year. Every year. He carried me for a while. David there. Boston. So he will be fired. It yeah. will be before August 4th. Do we feel confident before the weekend he's fired? If he's not fired by the time we're back here for well, the next Given episode, what we just I mean, read for, of God. for the provisions that were put into his contract, 0% chance okay. he lasts another 36 hours. Let's all put our devil's advocate hats on. Let's make the case for how does he keep his job? What happens how would this have to play his out? His life falls on the sword and he can somehow prove that was not shared with me. I had no idea. I am ashamed of this. I didn't know any of these. Everything that I've seen in this report you prove that? appalls me. I'm disgusted. I'm happy we terminated him. That's not what our program wants. I look to move forward. It's always hard this. to prove a negative. That's well. <laughs> on either way, either side of it, how do you prove it? Like, unless there's definitive text messages or calls between the two, how can you prove Sting it? Sting operation. Or you pretend to be his wife and text him. Ooh. Like, so am I taking the fall for you? We are to discuss this. Boom. This is actually the athletic director. We lied. You're fired. So flat out. Movie. So just flat out denial. Threat level eleven. I was trying to think of something like casinos. Or not? Oh my God! Oceans. Oh, Buckeyes eight. I'm an idiot. <laughs> there has to be. 
I, no, you, you can't just come out and deny it. I have a bigger question. Is anyone else if going down Irvin with him wait, aside wait. from his wife? Do you need me to play the music again? Uh, but is, is anyone else going with aside from his wife? Because, I mean, both of them are. Uh, does the athletic director survive this? It's a lot easier to prove that Urban Meyer knew about it, but our athletic director yeah, did true. not. Other coaches, though, if like if, all, if you're if making the, the case wives, that Urban Meyer knew because of his all wife, the all knew, the wives knew. According to you're right, but so, if Urban Meyer goes, there's a good chance everybody around him is. If, if, even if it's not this up. year, at the end of this year, well, what, one of gone. one of the screen one of the screenshots of the uh, the text messages did have allegedly. Uh, well, she said Urban doesn't know what to think of this. Right. Mm. Yeah. And also, and but also the the victim's ex husband who just got fired. Also, one of his text messages said he was going to bring everybody down with him. Yeah. So again, just throwing it out there. If he thinks that everyone else knows, but because he knows Urban knows, and he's trying to the same. So if Urban Meyer has his wife falling the sword here. That's how he saves conspiracy theory. That's that's the only way to save his job. Um, so let's say that happens and it works. Oh, I can't. I honestly can't imagine. Are that we happening. going to say he threw his wife under the Columbus? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, don't laugh at him for that. Huh? Wow. When does Urban Meyer make his triumphant return as Bowling Green football coach? Uh, to ESPN. <laughs> Are they gonna hire him? <laughs> yeah. I mean, why not? They ignored the story for four hours. I mean, that's another. And I believe so did the Columbus Dispatch didn't have it for around the same time. The yeah, well, old paper. So <laughs> just an odd Columbus. What's your conspiracy? As long as the music is going. Why do you think it took ESPN to catch up so with the rest of the there, crowd? It's one of two reasons. It's either because of their relationship with Urban Meyer or because, oh, bleep. This is the guy we just fired who broke this story. And, did, and somebody credited him as ESPN's Brett McMurphy. Ooh. Did you see that? In the sto- in the ESPN story? Uh, let's see. As, as of right now, it's, it is the top story. But No, uh, no. This was on TV. Oh, I missed that. Uh, ESPN update anchor credits ESPN's Brett McMurphy for reporting Courtney Smith's allegations. So this was on ESPN radio. Hmm. Under the Columbus. I, I believe it's a mixture. The Dancer. Urban and Shelly Meyer story. <laughs> Back after this. It's going to be a great Lifetime. TV movie on Lifetime. Yeah. <laughs> With this as the background music. Mm. Lifetime. You guys into Lifetime movies? Stop it. I'm Television for women. Is that the channel you're talking about? <laughs> I do not watch Lifetime um, movies. Did you know Will so, Ferrell was in a Lifetime movie? Yeah, with Kristen Wiig where they did, did we, the spoof of it. Have, so yeah. when I was in high school, one of we – it was for like um, a marketing class or something. We had to reach out to um, any type of media company to try and like, oh, I'm trying to do this or mm-hmm. this or this. One of my friends <laughs> wrote to Lifetime and his letter to them was a complaint that they market themselves as television <laughs> for women and he watches quite a few of their programs. <laughs> it was a complaint? Yeah. I, He's not a woman. So I don't get the genesis of his complaint. If he's watching it anyways, why is he complaining? I think he's complaining that it's a uh, gender bias uh, situation. The era of Me Too. 
did he write the can't have it both ways? The letter last week. This was twenty years ago. Okay, ish. Okay, high school. Urban Meyer's gone by the end of the week. We all agree on that. Yes. He's yes. definitely not coaching this season. Maybe he can coach no. one of the three no, no, arena no. football teams. And then you wonder what happens with that program. Oh, he shows up in the XFL. Don't. I, so, um, I watched in about a day and a half. So two things. I won't make this your assignment. But I watched the uh, All or Nothing that just came out of – couple months ago, I think, on the Cowboys from last season. Mm. Really good. Jason Garrett comes off very likable in that series. Hold you on. Jerry and, like and as someone that I think I would want to play for if I was a player. Side note, I don't think people dislike him. I think people just think he's an idiot. But I he, think there's he, a difference he there. Didn't, he didn't come off as that. Okay. I'll take your word for that. Um, so I finished that. Jerry Jones comes off entirely unlikable but it's where just, can people find this it's on uh, amazon, amazon. Gotcha. it's just amazing to because it's the whole it's a family business and you're introduced to all we see what steven jones it's always hanging around him we see him all the time at games but you're introduced to all three children that are executives within that club and running things that you see like whoa this is like the jones family business um one that finished i started they did one also on the Michigan football team from last year. Hmm. I started that. The exact opposite for Jim Harbaugh. He comes off as a bumbling doofus who just seems so out of touch and like your friend's dorky dad that you don't want to be around. He His dad is at every meeting and his dad gives the inspirational speech before they play Ohio State. His brother comes in. It's just so bizarre watching Jim Harbaugh in that setting that all the negatives you hear about him, you see this, you're like, eh, eh. So if, if, well, you, if you like Jim Harbaugh in the slightest, this is going to change that? Sure. A yeah. lot? Okay. Yeah. That's a bummer. Wasn't good. Look, you can say what you want about Harbaugh. I'm trying to think. He has not found himself in – He's bad. Well, I mean, but they're all bad. It's just a level of S- scandals. I'm talking scandal. scandal. Oh, oh, fine. He's yeah. not Urban yeah, Meyer. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, well, yeah. that's what I'm saying. Although it, he it, is very anti-chicken. So, <laughs> did you did you read that story? I did. I did. He, well, he the, finds the chicken nervous, are, a very nervous yeah, bird, a and nervous thus, bird, and he doesn't want to be compared to chickens. He doesn't he, want to talk uh, about chickens. He's also not eating chicken. I drinks mean, quite a bit of milk in look, that series. I'm okay with that. I'm 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 against. He's fully embraced the khakis. Mm-hmm. Sweatshirt tucked in, Again, glasses, and hat. I think that's funny. It's his uniform. I, I'm going to have to watch this, and I'll, I'll report back after I watch this. But on it's the face of it, I think goofy Jim Harbaugh makes me laugh. Go- Again, it's because of his goofiness. But I think if you know what, a, I'll say a, this: a, a line to cross after watching the two oh, series in like three days and seeing the two coaches. Oh boy! If you swap them, I think Do Jason I- Garrett. Do I need the music for this? I think Jason Garrett would be a terrific college coach that I think the players oh, that's, that actually makes sense. That's really respond to. Again, I think he's likable. I think professional people think he's an idiot. That's there's, it. There's one scene where Jim Harbaugh's in the first episode where they arrive at the dorms and he goes to his old dorm room. 
and takes a nap. And there's a kid in there that's just moving in, and Jim Harbaugh just walks in. And he's like, "How, how you doing? Uh, blah blah blah. Whatever your name is, how you doing? Doesn't say whatever your name is, but how, how you doing, Marcus? This used to be my room." And the kid's like, "Oh, oh great, Mr. Harbaugh." And he just tunes the kid out, and he's like looking around the room and walking around, and, he, and like not listening. And then he just stops and like, "Oh, I should probably interact with my player." It's like, "You got your physical yet?" Uh, no. Okay, you better get that tomorrow. See you later. And leaves. <laughs> that's the extent of it. That's his conversation. Wow. That's him relating to the players. I'll be honest. I, I have a hard time getting upset at in in this age where coaches are doing what they're doing, like Meyer. I I can't get that upset over goofiness. Goofiness again. I on the well, face before uh, I watch. Would you this. rather have that or a All coach right. that? Disappointing that he's not taking the program as far as they should go. Who annoys you more? PJ Fleck. <laughs> My guy. <laughs> guy. Jim Harbaugh or James Franklin at oh, Penn State? Geez. Can I ask you a question? If we rank them? Yeah. Okay. Drive hot trio here. Mm. PJ Fleck, James Franklin, Jim Harbaugh. Mm, okay, I, I'm not going to lie. I, is he both? You no, like James Franklin? No, no. I don't know much. I don't follow college football, so I don't know the James Franklin background as to why don't people like him. I I know the PJ Fleck background. I know Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh is going to go last on my rankings anyways because I I like him. And we'll see after this the the the, the, the docu series. But James Franklin has a certain uh how would you say? <sighs> There's a certain arrogance, I think, a certain cockiness That's good, yeah. that I've come to dislike primarily through his news conferences, his on-field interviews, things like that. I, I take both of your word for now, it. Now, he's also winning. So it comes hand in hand. He also and you know, won at Vanderbilt. Yeah. So, But P.J. Fleck is just – oh, God. And I know you gotta you got to treat the – spew that – you know, kindergarten rah rah stuff because you're you're trying to build. Well, a I program think we from talked scratch. about this before. We did. In that, no, I think you and I in, in that. Um, that's something that works when you're at Western Michigan or Minnesota right now. It's when you're expected I to win it, or do it, something. That's when it flips. Right. I think when you get you go well, Minnesota sure right now yes, but like once you start to go up a notch, that's when it's the players you have. I didn't come here for this. I'm not buying this crap. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how any of that stuff relates to 18 to 22-year-olds at a major college football level. I don't. We'll see. One of the things uh, we did last week when I was filling in for Greg Matzik and got quite a bit of feedback of Mm -hmm. great show – I didn't see any of that. You love it when you do this stuff. Yeah. So entertaining. Glad you got me. Well spoken. <laughs> you use email outside of work? It was from an EB. I said that. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't. So this you always. Blood hey, man. Uh, <laughs> this always happens whenever I fill in, and Ashton and I talked about this. Last time. You get compliments? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that part rarely it's happens. It's weird. I get listeners and compliments. Uh, we always end up 
way sidetracked on something we didn't anticipate talking about that was just kind of a throwaway as we're walking into the studio. The best part is what, it never happens. At the, sometimes it happens literally at the beginning and sometimes it happens like an hour <laughs> in an hour into yeah. the show where I don't even remember. Oh, so uh, Brett it, it came up because we mentioned uh, Brett Phillips who – I mean, Oh, he's not speaking, dead. He uh, run yesterday. Brett Phillips, man. I hope he's really um, good. Side note. I just hope so he's awesome. we brought up how – I owe Brett Phillips Chick-fil-A because, geez, how long? Three years ago? It was the spring training after he was acquired. So that would have been spring of 16, I think. Yeah, two years. I think it was three. He was Because I was doing Brewers Weekly and Brewers Extra Innings, and the great Matt Pauly has been doing it for at least the last two years. Mm So um, maybe more, too. Regardless. I don't think so. When I had Brett Phillips on, we really hit it off. We became (laughs) – very friendly with each other. And had, oh, we I was there. Brett and Phillips like is a nice this. guy. Oh, you like Fleetwood Mac too. Cool. Then uh, we talked about Chick-fil-A and that's his favorite place. Mm-hmm. So I told him, here's the deal. You get When you get called up, oh. I'm not saying if because we know it's a when. When you get called up, you come in. You do Brewers Weekly here with us in studio. You're bringing Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A is on me. He's I can oh, confirm great, that this happened. Great. Ha, ha, ha. So I said – you know, our guy, Brett Phillips, we still owe him Chick-fil-A. We should have tried to get him in this week. And now, like 12 hours later, he's traded. <laughs> but <laughs> again, it was our – we told yeah, we 100 percent jinxed it. Boom, <laughs> traded. The Chick-fil-A uh, curse. It was literally hours later, traded. <laughs> um, it was that night. Wasn't it? Oh my God! It was yeah. that night because that was Friday. It was night. less than twelve hours later. It was like four hours. Like an hour after the show, you're seeing the tweets of Brett Phillips removed from the game. Sounds oh like my God! That's right. I didn't realize so it was. We talked about Chick Fil A, and that launched into I like their French fries, which sprouted off. Get it? Into I don't get it. Potatoes, sprouts, and, and whatever. They don't go on sprouts. Well, you can grow sprouts on a potato, which isn't good. But uh, launched from that into – You know about growing potatoes. No, you don't try to grow sprouts. But if you have the potato too long, it just pops in there. So (laughs) from there, it was, oh, I really like Chick-fil-A's French fries, which morphed into two hours of what's the best French fry out there. And Mm. I am not making this up. We were flooded with interaction. <laughs> Phone calls, texts. At first, there were a few, what the hell are you talking about right now? And I fairness, just tuned into that a of ourselves. Show. Right. Uh, but we won those the, those people who texted in and said, oh, what is this? Done. We won them we over. We got a chef to call in to teach me how to cook we pancakes. We have the chef's number. Yeah. Two numbers. Yeah. His home and his his mobile. Because and a bunch of people in the station that were listening throughout the building walked over to give their opinion. Several. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Several walk around yeah. wow. their pain. Yeah. yeah. So what was the general consensus? Tater tots. Uh, tater tots, if you allow, if you that, allow as that a fry. That's my that's my fault. The conversation got a little derailed because I'm a big tater tot guy mm-hmm. and I wanted to vote for tater tots. Waffle fries would be second. So I know you have a favorite, but I'll include from where, so you gotta be specific. Okay. Top three. Uh tater tot. Tater tots you can't get in restaurants, so I'm going to throw that out here. Waffle fries you from get tater tots in restaurants. Yeah, I feel like you can't get it that often. Yeah, Bar Louie, you can. Bar Louie, yeah. a lot of restaurants. Karma used to have great tots. R.I.P. Man, dude, that would have been literally our only sponsor. Karma. What? Oh yeah, it's like For a video almost a, game. It's like a almost game a year, bar now. right? No, it was uh, this spring. Because okay. our guy uh, Jeff and I, we went there for one of their final days of existence. I missed out. Went for the NCAA tournament. That's right. 
Anyways, my my favorite. It's closed. It's it's, it's something else. It's some game bar. It's uh, that Club Forty Two Lounge. Show remote. We'll do a show remote. I thought you said something else. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> no, we already searched. For that. Uh, yeah, it's that <laughs> Club Forty Two Lounge, which I didn't realize was a game bar. Like this is like board games and video games. Oh, yeah. What? That's actually kind of, I'm not gonna lie. That's what it's like, replaced with. Kind of sounds like fun a little bit. Sounds like a little bit of fun for like an hour. So you have to interact with other people. Hmm. All right, my top three. Uh, I'm gonna throw tater tots out. Like I said, I still don't have one on top of my head. Uh, there's a restaurant, it's a bar grill sports bar that I frequent where I live. They have sweet potato waffle fries. Sweet potato waffle fries. That's number one. Wendy's just regular fries. What's the name of it? Oh, Emos. Emos. Sorry, I didn't know if we were getting free pub. Anybody that wants to be a part of this. Oh, yeah. that place would be a, a, You want to be a part of this? <laughs> they would be an excellent sponsor. I just want to say that. Uh, so sweet potato waffle fries from Emos. Wendy's, just regular Wendy's fries. Love them. Love them. And let's go Let's go Five Guys fries. I, I like the, the grease and the, the skin still on They're them. They're too uh, – <laughs> how's this for a word given the story that we mm-hmm. shared with us off air? Five Guys fries are too flaccid. Yeah, that's accurate. That's fair. I, I don't like crispy fries that much. Oh, I'm not picking to. the crisp. I'm, I'm. If I pick top three, number one is Chick-fil-A's waffle fries. I think I would go Culver's too because I like the crinkle cut fries. It's a good call. Three, I may go Potato Olay's from Taco John's. I got to get out to Taco John's. Got to get out there. See, I'm not that big of a fry guy. Neither am I. If there are sweet potato fries to be had, I'll have them. I don't care what form they take, waffle or traditional. Culver's has sweet potato fries too. I get those Since every when? fall. They're, it's they're, only seasonal. Yeah. It's like oh, fall okay. for like two months. Every time they're offered, I get them. It's also a place right down the street from my place. What about the Arby's curly fries? I hate curly fries. Is it because if you pull one, you get yeah, the why? whole well, clump together? Do you, do you feel like you get less? No, I love the like when you get the monster, the monster one. Yeah, but most of them are just like these little fingernails. That's why I don't like them. Be, well, no, <laughs> little half moons. There was a weird story like last week. Some dude had been growing his fingernails from like sixty six years and had just clipped them. I don't. I, I'm just very confused about how you live life like that. But back to, back to curly. Can't fries. play piano. Uh, <laughs> back to curly fries. <laughs> Uh, they're not consistent enough for me to like them. I don't. They're just the shape and the like. Sometimes when they're stuck to other fries, mm-hmm. and sometimes they're not as curly as you want them to be, and they're just like squiggly. You know. And what about those nacho fries at Taco Bell? That that's the, the commercials those are up. all over Someone, the place. Yeah, a lot of people mention that. Those are excellent. Those would be probably number five for me. Those would be four or five. Those would be top five. I haven't tried them yet. Well, I I broke it, but we talked about it last week. You don't need the cheese sauce, by the way, for them. They're they're good without the cheese sauce. I'm sure the seasoning is non-compliant. So I've I've been doing Whole30 again. (laughs) (laughs) I'm listening. Go ahead. I'm here. What? I hear you. I hear you. I can't uh, hear you. I've been doing Whole30 again. What does that mean? It's the whole thirty. It's a way of life, man. It's what does that mean? You, you cut out a bunch of good no, grains, no, no grains, yeah. no dairy, you, no sugar, nothing good. It's what it, now, no grains, no dairy, no sugar. 
I, I honestly think you just eat heads of lettuce. What? I I've mean, seen you, you eat meals. Yeah, you can stuck. eat meat, potatoes, vegetables. I just it's the easy. The no dairy part gets me. Um, I mean, I broke it today when I had a Postmates order of Chipotle. Mm. What'd you get? Oh, the same thing I always get, chicken burrito. Okay. Well, this was tough because we talked about this before, but when I go to Chipotle, always Chipotle over Qdoba. But when I go there, <laughs> if there's no one in front of me, I'll get the burrito bowl because I feel like I need someone in front of me to order a burrito to see how this person is wrapping it. If If it's a struggle, no, I'm not going to risk it. So this was kind of a risk to just – Place the order and wing it, but paid off, I guess. But I broke the whole thirty, which was going to happen this weekend anyway, because I'm going to the UP. Oh, for uh, just do you have a, another wedding? No. Just, I know it's just, been a big wedding. Just uh, to season just, for you. just to hang out with some friends. I'm not in. I'm not sure what to think of it. I'm not a big outdoorsman. You're not. What is going on? No, I just wait. We found some things. I found some stuff. You know. Oh boy. <laughs> we were alerted to some uh, evidence. Let's call it photos. I don't know. But do, do we have a little time left here yet? We've been going for a long time. I kind of want to tease this and save it for next time. Maybe. Oh, is this about me? This is oh. your. This is. Oh yeah. Well, oh, not, not about you. I. Oh, wait, whoa, what? <laughs> this isn't about me. Is this a tease? Well, I said right. it's not not about you. So it is about me. It's about you. It's not not about you. I'll tell you this. Oh. We have gained a lot of listeners. So people may know what you're talking about right now. This will bode well. This could. Uh, What's the tease? Yeah. How do you want to tease this? There has been some – a light shine – shown shine? Let's just say that – I gotta see this. <laughs> um, do I? Am I in the dark? Let's just. Well, no. In the dark. No. See. Or are you guys gonna tell me after? You're not in the dark because it'll be a playful conversation. It'll be a playful conversation. We'll shed some light on it next episode. But I think for people who who have followed you and followed your story, it's been a very eventful summer. And oh my it, God, did the bucks fire me? It's, Oh, Find no. out next week on The Tripod. <laughs> Not saying, we're just saying. All right, so uh, trade deadline came and went. We did see some action from the Brewers, a lot of action around all of Major League Baseball and helping us recap things and break down what we saw the Brewers do from The Athletic. He is uh, Robert Murray. So, Robert, let's start there. The Athletic, fairly new now, a couple of weeks old. Uh, how did this come about, and how did you become the Brewers reporter for The Athletic? Yeah, no. So I was working at a site called FanRake Sports with John Heyman, and things were going really well. And I was about to move down to Arizona, actually, where the headquarters was for the office. And the company sold unexpectedly leaving us all out of jobs. And about 24 hours after I was out of a job, Ken Rosenthal called me and was like, hey, would you be interested in coming to the Athletic and, and maybe covering the Brewers since you're, you're right around Milwaukee? And as soon as Rosenthal calls you, um, you you listen. And uh, I had a couple interviews later, uh, signed a contract, and here I am today. 
must quite, be, a, quite was, a name must, drop, yeah. yeah. It must be nice to have Ken Rosenthal on your speed dial. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's not the worst thing in the world, I can tell you that. It's it's pretty cool. So who's the better insider, Heyman or Rosenthal? It's just oh. us guys. Who oh, you got? goodness, yeah. Who you oh, got? You're, you're, I'll take them both. I gotta, I gotta play it safe, just in case they're they're listening to this. Love them both. They're very good guys. So you can say probably better staying in Wisconsin versus moving to Arizona. Uh, I mean, yeah, I'm gonna miss, I'm gonna miss the summers there. I can tell you that. I'm gonna miss the year year on warm. All right, so Jonathan Scope, Mike Mustakas, Travis Shaw, Jesus Aguilar. I mean, what what the hell is this infield? Yeah, it's it's confusing uh initially at least for me but then i realized what david stearns has really done since he's coming to milwaukee and it's at depth we saw it in the off season with the outfield adding christian yelich and, and lorenzo kane to an already very good outfield and now they're adding scope mustakas to an infield that's also pretty good and for the most part the infield is gonna have mustakas scope um i mean you're gonna have aguilar as well and shaw um it's gonna be I mean, you're also going to be able to play options there as well. You're going to have Orlando Arcia. I know Saladino was sent down today as well. Uh, you also have Aaron Perez. I mean, you have plenty of options, and they're also really good ones as well. And they're set up in case there's an injury that happens, which it always happens during the course of a season. So they're going to be they're going to be set up pretty well going forward. When the trade first went down, we saw uh, Craig Council really non-committal and you know saying we have a bevy of options as you just outlined there and and no real we're not sure how they're going to use this team and now it sounds like well he's already talked to scope about playing shortstop gut feeling who do we see at shortstop is it going to be kind of split and we see a lot of hate or a lot of orlando arcia or do we see scope at shortstop a lot I think it's going to be scope at short field, or at shortstop a lot and my reasoning is this you don't you don't acquire him and give up three decent players to have him sit on the bench for 50% of the games. He's a really good player. He's also ascending. Uh, he had a very strong July. He was hitting about 360. And at one point, I believe he had five home runs, or he had a home run in five straight games. So he's, he's starting to turn the corner as a player. He was struggling for the most part before that. Um, but I think he's going to be the primary shortstop. And the, the infield might be a little, or the, the middle infield defense might be a little bit sketchy with having Shaw at second base. But, but Scope also has played about 2,000 innings at shortstop in the minor leagues. So it's nothing really foreign to him as well. Robert, one of the real interesting things, as we have come to know this organization under David Stearns and under Craig Council, and I want to hit on both of them, but what is your take on David Stearns as we now know him and watch him grow and he learns year after year. What do we know about him now that we didn't a year ago after this trade deadline? That he's really aggressive in terms of adding talent to the team. I mean, we saw before that, I mean, he was aggressive in adding players, but he really was aggressive in trying to build, of, he, was trying, he was trying to build a foundation with the team, and now he's got the foundation in place. We saw him add Yelich and, and Kane in the offseason. And now he's continuing to be aggressive in adding top-tier talent with Moustakas and Scope. And I, I think his ability to do that is going to end up taking him and the team to the next level. I think what he's doing so far is tremendous. He's got the respect of a lot of people around baseball. And it's the ultimate compliment when there's also baseball executives wondering if he has a secret that nobody else has because the job he's doing is that good. 
What do you think that secret is? Uh, it's I don't know what it is. It's got to be a good seasoning or something. It's it's pretty impressive, but I mean it's it, I, I don't know. It's it's a scouting ability. I think he's got a really good staff as well. Uh, he's surrounding himself with some really good people, and Ray Montgomery is one of them who's extremely respected around baseball. He's going to end up being a general manager someday, but it always starts with the people you surround yourself with, and he's done a really good job with that. Well, it's funny because you said he's getting a reputation of being a really aggressive general manager, but if you were to ask a lot of the fans, and I realize there's a mistake right there, but if you were to ask a lot of people after what did not happen the other day, I think that might be a criticism of him. He's not aggressive enough. How do you couch those two things? Because in some circles, they're going to say he's too protective of those tops of those top uh, you know the, the, those top guys in the system. Yeah, no, I mean he's aggressive to a point. He's not overly aggressive because I mean I think if you're too aggressive, that's going to come back to bite you. And I do not blame him at all for not wanting to part with Corbin Burns, who I believe is going to be a superstar pitcher in baseball. Keston Hira, I'm a little different with that, but I'm also not surprised you didn't want to trade him now just because the starting pitching options really weren't that great. Maybe in the offseason you see a guy like a Noah Syndergaard or, or a uh, Jake DeGrom become available, maybe even Madison Baumgartner as well. In that case, maybe you part with a guy like Keston Hira, but I mean, for what was available now, it was not worth giving him up and being too aggressive and maybe not I don't think they're ready quite yet to make that kind of a move, but I also think at that or at this point they're a very real World Series contender. A couple of things you you touched on there that I, I want to kind of pull off some more off of. So when you talk about the way that he has handled those prospects and been very protective over giving up those top guys, you look at where the Brewers are and just look at how. Uh, teams similar to them have built their clubs, and obviously the comparisons are always going to be made because of the connection and some of the trades between these teams to the Astros. But if we've learned anything, I think it's that teams like this, when you're built around the farm system, you have, what, five, a little more than that, years of a window to be competitive before it's time to kind of rebuild. And going off of that, if you're David Stearns and you see how this team is doing and know there's still a lot in the cupboard there. We know there's more waves to come up. I can understand why he would say we're not moving our top three guys because they're part of that five to six years that we plan on being competitive. The thing that struck me about how he did this was everybody harped on starting pitching. And I guess my biggest takeaway, and let me know if you agree or disagree, is David Stearns just thinks outside the box and said – Looking at this market, I don't know what starting pitcher is going to be that massive of an upgrade. So we can fix our pitching by getting a better offense and making this a five- to six-inning game with a bullpen. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with you. I mean, a, a pitcher's best friend or a starting pitcher's best friend is, one, a really good offense, and they have that. I mean, those two additions that they made are huge. They have a top-five bullpen that also is getting Soria. And they also have a really good defense. I believe they have one of the better defenses, at least from a run-safe perspective in all of baseball. And those three things, I mean, you, you can criticize the starting pitching all you want. They've been really, really good in the second half of the season. I, I, I think the starting pitching need was maybe 
um, exaggerated a bit. I mean, I understand the need for a top of the rotation arm, but as I said, the, the rotation so far in the second half has been pretty good. I think they're lined up pretty well to at least be in the in the championship series for the NL. Uh, I think it's going to come down to them or the Cubs to play the Dodgers, and I, I think they're in a really good spot right now because I think they're playing their best baseball at a very important time. So starting pitching, I think there, there's two questions. Uh, number one, we heard it mentioned by David Stearns that they weren't not looking at starters yesterday. They were checking in on some guys and in on a few guys. Any idea on a name or two of who that may have been? And part two, Jimmy Nelson's the big name that's going to get mentioned the most. It seems like, from what you hear, he's about a month or so away. What do you think the timetable is for Jimmy Nelson? And assuming we do see him this year, how do they use him? Yeah, okay, to start off with your first point there, I asked Stearns on a conference call yesterday if at any point he was close to adding a starting pitcher. And he said that he said he did. He felt he was close at one point, but they weren't able to get it done. And he did not name a name, obviously. But we saw them connected to Chris Archer. And from what I was told, they were pretty aggressive there. Uh, but they just weren't able to get it done. And Tampa Bay was going to be asking for their top prospects as well. I think I, I, I was skeptical of their chances getting Archer just because, as I said, it would take up one of those top prospects. But I think one of the more realistic guys was Matt Harvey and they weren't able to get that done. Maybe they get him in the waiver trade this uh, in, in August here. I would doubt it. Um, I don't think they're going to be able to lend a starting pitcher that's going to make a huge impact in August as well. Um, I, I, what was your second question again? So uh, Jimmy Nelson, it, it sounds like the best case is he's four five weeks away. Mm-hmm. Let's assume we see him here. What do you think his role is going to be with this team this year? Yeah, it's not going to end up being what it once was. He, I don't think he's going to end up immediately going into the top part of the rotation. I could see an expanded role in the bullpen maybe or maybe a spot start here or there, but that's not confirmed. That's just speculation on my part. But what the Brewers have right now, and this is the luxury that they have, right now they have five starters that are that are, that are decent. They're also going to get Zach Davies back at some point this month as well. So they're going to have six starters, which is going to afford them time to to ease Nelson in. And if they don't feel that he's ready to pitch, maybe they just shut him down for the year because they're going to have that luxury because they have six starters. And they also have Brandon Woodruff in AAA as well. I mean, So they're in a good spot in terms of depth. I know Nelson would help. Uh, I just don't think they're going to really push him along to the point where they put him in any, da- put him in any danger. So you mentioned Matt Harvey. We heard the Matt Harvey rumors – I, is he actually an upgrade over a guy like Brandon Woodruff? I, I don't see it. Not, not anything that we've seen aside from the last, what, month and a half that he's pitched. Anything in the last three seasons, he's not the same guy he was. Why why should anyone trust that trading a prospect or an asset for him is worth it? Yeah, no, I mean, that's a fair point. I mean, I'm not the biggest Brandon Woodruff fan by any means of the imagination. I don't think he's he's quite ready. And Harvey has a lot of talent. He just hasn't been able to put it together especially in a place like New York where you got all the eyes on you. And going to a place like Cincinnati has allowed him to slow down a little bit. He's been able to really try to figure things out. He's still a work in progress. But maybe I, I would imagine the Brewers would be um, would, would be optimistic about their chances of maybe putting it all together for him. I mean, he was still controllable as well. And he's you, you bet on talent in this situation. He's got plenty of it, and his reputation in the locker room has also changed as well. You talk to people in Cincinnati, and they rave about the teammate he's been. 
So while, I mean, it it wouldn't really tilt the scale in terms of the top of the rotation, I really do feel like it would have helped. I remember, and we've all been in this market for a long, long time, the buildup in this town and for this organization to the last quote-unquote championship run. So mid-2000s, 2004, 05, 06, 07, leading up to 08. And Ned Yost, the manager there, and I never got the sense that Ned Yost was going to be the guy that would lead them potentially to the promised land. Ned Yost always struck me as the kind of guy, and it was proven out to be true, that would he could only take them so far. And, and his ability, motivating, coach, whatever, he was only going to be the guy that could take them so far. Obviously, he went on and did what he did with Kansas City. But nonetheless, is Craig Council the manager of this team if and when they win a World Series? Or is he the guy that takes them to the doorstep and then the the Ron Renicky 2.0 is the one that knocks down the door? You know, that's... A very interesting question. I'm going to give you a to-be-determined on that, but I also can see both sides to it. I think a big difference between Yost and Council is the respect that Council has in the locker room and his ability to connect with the players. I mean, Yost really wasn't that respected. I think he ruffled a lot of feathers in his time here, but Council is universally respected. You see him talking to his players all the time. Uh, He's in the cafeteria there laughing and, and interacting with his players and and as as a human, I think Council will be able to take them to the next level. But in terms of in-game strategy, there are some things that that leave you wondering whether or not he's going to be able to do it. I, I personally think he has a very good chance because he's gotten his roster this far. He navigated an outfield situation that was very complex, and thankfully for him, Ryan Braun volunteered to play first base. How he handles the infield situation now is going to be extremely telling for him in the future of his tenure with the Brewers. And so that's why I'm not ready quite yet to say whether or not he's the guy that eventually leads them to a World Series. But I also can see why and why not. He could also not be that guy. His kind of progressive style of thinking, does that like kind of go with the fact that if he's growing as a manager, just growing with the organization and how he pairs with David Stearns and how the roster works, does that kind of play a role in the fact that he kind of is willing to think outside of the box and willing to throw second base, third baseman at second base and willing to have all these different lineups? Does that kind of play a role in how the players listen to him? Because I think if a player kind of saw that, that weird random lineup every day, at some point they might be like, when is this just going to be normal? Yeah, no, I mean, I definitely know what you mean. It's playing Shaw at second base was the first real head-scratcher for me, um, and I'm sure the players are, are kind of wondering the same. But Shaw has handled it tremendously, at least publicly and with the media. Um, he's been an A-plus teammate, and he's really put the team first. And now with the scope addition, you're going to have to have the same kind of sacrifice from Orlando Arcia. He's not going to be. He was once a top prospect and a guy that was supposed to be a cornerstone piece in Milwaukee. Now he's going to end up being a guy that basically rides the bench. It's going to take a team effort here to make this work, and it's not going to be easy. And this is arguably the most important stretch in Council's tenure in Milwaukee by far. Where have you seen Council grow the most as a manager? Because I feel, anecdotally, but I feel as if he's better now than he was last year, than he was when he got thrown into it his first year. But I can't, 
sit here and say because X, Y, and Z, he's a better manager. The roster is better, and anytime the players are better, coincidence, the coach, the manager, is going to be perceived as better. But where do you see Council improving, learning, growing on a nightly basis or year to year? Yeah, no, I mean, I've been on the beat for two weeks, so I mean, I haven't gotten a really up-close look, but from talking to people and watching the games, you really see the improvement in how he moves around the, the players in the lineup and how he handles rotation as well. I mean, you still see some question marks with, with the bullpen. Uh, I think any manager is really going to be criticized for it, but him more so than others just because of some some different situations. But I feel like he's, for the most part, has grown in all areas, and I think that comes with experience. I mean, when you first start off and you, you in his sake, you see him go – from a player to a manager, it's such a huge transition, and you have to understand the people, you have to understand the situations and everything that comes with the job. And I think now you're really starting to see him settle in and assume the role as the leader and as the guy that's going to end up bringing this team together for a deep postseason run. So I, to really to answer your question, I think it's in most areas, just not all of them, with, with the bullpen being one of them. So, uh, taking a look at really all of baseball, and specifically the Central, a lot of moves yesterday at, at the trade deadline, and, and one of the big ones that jumped out, you mentioned it, the Pirates acquiring, uh, the, the trade that the Pirates made to bring in Chris Archer. Uh, number one, I guess I'm confused what the Pirates are doing, that they moved Garrett Cole in the offseason, you understand that, but now okay, we're, we're better than we thought we'd be or we think we're in contention. Let's move some of our top guys for Chris Archer. So kind of a revolving door there and bringing in prospects and, and giving away some more. Were you equally confused by that one? And two, how do you view Chris Archer? Because that's kind of polarizing too in the sense that a lot of people looked at him as the best available, but is he truly an ace? Yeah, no. I can tell you going into – the trade deadline or the day before all the buzzes around the pirates making a big move. And I wasn't exactly sure what that was going to be, but from what I could tell it, it was probably going to end up being a starting pitcher. So I wasn't necessarily surprised that they got Chris Archer, but once I saw the return that they gave up, they gave up two really, really, really good prospects and also a player to be named later who uh, the athletic is also reporting is a significant player as well. So they gave up three really strong pieces for Archer it's a head-scratching move um, just because I don't think they're really able to contend this year quite yet. But also at the same time, something that David Stearns preaches is controllability. And that's exactly why Neil Huntington, the GM in, in Pittsburgh, ended up kidding Archer because he's controllable, he signed cheap, and he's also a really good pitcher. Is he an ace? I, I don't know about that. He's a very strong number two, an elite number three. Um, so I, I don't think this, this move is really going to tilt the needle for them this year, but if they're able to add pieces around him in the offseason and in their lineup and in their rotation as well, I think they have a very real chance of competing in the Central next year with the Cubs and the Brewers, but they have a lot of work ahead of them to do so. So the other part of it, and we saw a lot of activity last year and a lot of big names moved uh, too once you got past the non-waiver trade deadline, do you think we're going to see a busy August and moves made through the waiver trades? I do, and I think that's the expectation around baseball right now is there's going to be a lot of moves. And I think one team you really have to watch out for is San Francisco 
because they did not sell a single piece at the deadline here. And same with the Mets as well. Those are two teams that you're going to really want to watch with the waiver trades. But I do believe that this August trade period is going to be extremely active. There's going to be a lot of different pieces traded. And I would not be surprised if the Brewers maybe tried to land a starting pitcher as well as a catcher because you also just saw Jacob Nottingham go on the disabled list in, in the minor leagues right now. So their, their organizational depth at catcher is not exactly that great. And, and as I mentioned, the Giants, one potential catching option would be Nick Humley. And he's kind of a guy that's similar to Eric Kratz in terms of leadership, but he'd provide a, a much stronger bat off the bench and occasionally as a spot start as well. So, I mean, they're going to have plenty of different options. There's going to be a lot of different trades around baseball. But I, th- I think the Brewers are really going to end up being active in that market. So before we wrap this up, Robert, give me the number one reason that the Brewers will make the playoffs and then the number one reason that they will break our hearts again and miss out on the playoffs. The number one reason they're going to end up making, making it, the playoffs? And then the number one reason that they will not make the playoffs. Okay, making the playoffs, it's going to be that offense, and it's going to be Christian Yelich and, and Lorenzo Cain because those two are elite players. They are extremely good. You see Yelich right now. What he's doing is absolutely spectacular. He's, but he's going to end up being the best player of my lifetime with Milwaukee. He's that good, and this is only year one of him, and he's going to be here for a long time. But also a reason why they may not make the playoffs or a reason why they might break your heart is they lack a true ace at the top of the rotation, and I, I, I know how the bull, or I know how the rotation has been really good to start off the second half, but come playoff time, a true ace is huge. And now that they're lacking that, or that now that they don't have that, that could come back to bite them. But I really don't see that happening. I think they're too good to allow that to happen. All right, he is Robert Murray from the Athletic. Are we calling it the Athletic Milwaukee or is it the Athletic Wisconsin? The Athletic Wisconsin. All right, from the Athletic Wisconsin is Robert Murray. Follow him on Twitter at ByRobertMurray. Robert, thanks so much for joining us on the tripod, and uh, we'll catch up with you down the road. That sounds good to me. Thank you for having me.